you know, I said we're going to play a dangerous game this morning. So this is actually not a game, but I do want to transition a little bit. One of the reasons I asked John to come this morning is uh, John's worked and uh, served and loved well uh, in New Orleans. And uh, in light of the recent events that have happened, uh, he, you mentioned a minute ago the, the killing of George Floyd and uh, and the riots that have happened and just a unique moment kind of in our nation's history right now and and it, and guess what? We're living in the middle of it. And yeah. so invited John to come and talk us through this a little bit. And, um, you know, as we start this series on the minor prophets, there's a word that you've probably heard a bunch in the media uh, recently, and people mean all different kinds of things by it. And it's the idea of justice or, mm-hmm. or social justice. And we're actually going to see that word come up a good number of times in the minor prophets. It's one of the themes. It's not the only theme. But I thought as we started and as we wanted to highlight urban impact, I wanted to just have a conversation with John about these mm-hmm. these matters and these things that are happening. And so, John, as a, as a partner, as a pastor, you've pastored uh, mm-hmm. as a, a faithful believer, and, and you've actually given talks, and you're a speaker on this very topic, uh, the idea of racial justice, mm-hmm. racial reconciliation, uh, things like that. Um, that's one of the reasons we wanted to invite you here today. We feel like it fits uh, the time of this series as well. So, uh, but as, as I've watched the news, as many of you have, and you see these crazy things happening, things that, again, they're, these events are only 10 days old at most, about, and uh, 10 or 15 days old. And so there's all this crazy stuff unfolding on the cameras in front of us. I personally would say I struggle to know how should I even feel about this, let alone how I should think and act yeah. about it. Like, what should I be feeling right now? How should a Christian feel? Should I feel angry or sad? There's people on TV telling me I need to feel guilty. Um, should I be frustrated? Uh, how should a Christian feel in the middle of all this? Yes. Hmm. I don't think there's a, a watchword, one word that can encapsulate it. I think for me, it's stepping back, allowing my faith to filter all the noise, allowing my faith and in, in, in in really taking my faith and making sure it is above everything that I hear and do and understand. Hmm. So let's take, for instance, the word social justice. I would simply suggest to you that that's a man, social justice is a man-centered view of justice. It's political and power-based. Peace and justice are never possible. Now, if we say biblical justice, and if you're comfortable with it, biblical social justice takes on another flavor because that's what that is, is that's a God-centered view of justice. Hmm. So it, it, we start to understand what's God's heart for justice and righteousness and peace hmm. and mercy. Especially when we look at the Old Testament, as you dive into the Minor Prophets, justice and mercy are commingled all the time. Hmm. And uh, and so within that, so will I let will I start letting Scripture speak to me and as I let scripture speak to me, am I willing to even let let those that are a part of the Christian body that I usually don't hang with, stuff that I'm usually not looking at and trying to understand, that I'm stepping back and going, all right, I, I need to, to, to look at this. Because I think one of the things we are is we become a very tribal people. Hmm. And uh, we only hang with and listen to people that are like us. So you said something there, John, though, is having a biblical view of how God sees these yeah. things. And so 
that would actually, I think, be my goal this morning is that you kind of just help walk us through how should we think about this biblically? How should we understand Mm -hmm. the things we're seeing biblically? And then here's the thing. Thinking is one thing and understanding is one thing, but also then help us move to that next step of how should we act? What should we do about it? And I think that's when you read the prophets, that's what it's all about is God says, do justly, uh, act justly, love mercy, walk humbly with your God. So if we can kind of talk through this biblical framework, you actually gave me uh, something that I'm going to, if you all have a bulletin, uh, there's a triangle or a, a pyramid that John gave us. Uh, that's kind of a biblical framework of walking through this. If you're watching online, uh, you can actually find the weekly bulletin on our website on the front page. Uh, just go to trinityefca.com. So, uh, but this biblical framework, like you said, for mm-hmm. thinking about justice or thinking about the events we're seeing yeah. right now. Um, I want to just share one verse that I, I put on, on the PowerPoint. Hosea 12, 6 uh, says this. So you, by the help of your God, return. Hold fast to love and justice and wait continually for your God. That's exactly what you just said. This idea of mercy and justice, love and justice have to be intertwined. Um, and so the minor prophets we're going to see in Hosea today do speak directly to this. But um, I'm going to put on the screen that that biblical framework that you kind of sent yeah. me and uh, just kind of walk us through that pyramid, if you don't mind. And sure. The, the type is small, so maybe if you have it in your, in your yeah. uh, bulletin, uh, take a look at that. So... What this is is an attempt as I speak to folks to try to help people see what's the biblical framework. What is God saying into this problem? So the number one thing, all right, is understanding that the Imago Dei, we're all made in God's image. It starts with God. It ends with God. And they were made in his image. So Jeremiah 1, uh, 127. So it doesn't matter if you're black, white, straight, gay, documented, undocumented, rich or poor. We are made in the image of God. So if we're made in the image of God, then that affects how I look at people. That affects, that hopefully starts taking out the other, starts taking out the us and them. Though I'll admit that's very difficult. Can I get an amen? Amen. That's very hard. But then as we go up, as you go up this, then we have a sin problem and a salvation solution. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Jesus said, what? I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. So the basis, again, God made us. God made us in his image. God then saved us because of Christ. And so without that, there is no justice. We can try to get there. There is no justice because God embodies true justice, true mercy, true compassion, true peace, because it was shown at the cross. All right? I think we're all cool with that. Amen. All right. Now then, now then I would say we have a great commandment and a great commission. The great commandment is what? Go thee therefore and make disciples, right? A great commission, excuse me. The great commandment is what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. So as we've always said at Urban Impact, love God with all you got and love people till you drop. All right. But I think what happens is we then try to skip to the great community. So the great community is we want to be the Acts Church. We, we all hear that, right? We want to be the Acts Church. And so I think when we say that, we're talking about Acts 2 and Acts 4. I don't know that anyone wants to be the Acts Church in, 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 in the fifth chapter where you lie about money and get killed. Anybody want to be that church? 
Maybe the, the Acts church of chapter 6 where there's racial and cultural disparity that causes friction in the church. And that's when Stephen is, is made as uh, uh, the one to go and forth and as they work through that. I don't think anybody wants to be the Acts church of Corinth where they're sleeping around with everybody and suing everyone, right? So I think what we do is we miss the fact that church is a messy place because we're messy people. And so we skip, want to skip to this great community without going through and understanding God's heart. Because God's heart, we already saw it at the beginning. He made us. He loved us. He sent Christ for us. He calls us to a great commission. He gives us a great commandment. But then I would say what we need to start doing is we need to start walking through the messy middle, if you will. Hmm. And what's going on in our nation is showing us what this messy middle is like culturally. Then how do we let the gospel enter into it within within the church and who the church is? So you get you got Micah 6, 8. Right? Have I not shown you, O mortal, O man, what is good? And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and walk humbly with our God. So you notice that justice and mercy co-mingle there. Humble. Humble isn't us, shucks, you go first. Humility in Scripture is knowing what God's heart is, being attentive to it, and doing it. And so, so God is calling us to walk humbly, to and love justice, to seek mercy... And then I would say, then, then we start going through some of this hard stuff. Again, this isn't a total look at the church. This is a looking at ju- a justice, a biblical justice framework. So within that, racial and class reconciliation are a part of that. Ephesians chapter 2, great, great chapter, right? Mm-hmm. Chapter 9, we have been saved by grace, not by works that no man can boast. Verse 10, Paul then says what? He says, you are God's workmanship, God's poinia, this great work of art, this piece of art that God's created. He says, created to do great works that he's prepared beforehand for you to do. So if I'm writing scripture, then what I want to do, pastor, is I'm going to go, all right, God's called me to do these great works. I want to get you excited about great works. But the next thing that Paul talks about is unity in the body and unity across between Jew and Gentile, which is a greater a greater divide than black and white in America today. And so the church then becomes that community. All right? And so to become that community, he talks about how Jesus died, that we would be one. We go to James. James said, don't have favoritism. Why do you say to the rich man, sit here, the poor man, sit there? Uh, and uh, and we can keep going on within within what God says. And then I would say, then, then we add to it compassion to the, for the vulnerable. All right? And that's, that's Zechariah uh, 7, 9, and 10. He, he says, you know, he's, God calls us out to look out for the quartet of the vulnerable. And see, that's a part of a part of this biblical community, and a part of how God's heart of who He is then is reflected in our community, and hopefully, and the community of God then has influence on the community around us. Amen. Hmm. And so, what's going on is God calls us to have that, and one of those was is uh, Proverbs thirty-one seven and eight: Speak up for those who can't speak for themselves. Ensure justice for those being crushed. I, I read that after Mr. George Floyd was killed. You notice I call him Mr. Because I believe he deserves honor. I don't know him. I can't call him George. And Wendy and our first house was two blocks from Cup Foods, which is where George Floyd was murdered. I know the 7-Eleven across the street. Used to get my hair cut 
a couple a couple buildings down. And so I think the church has to enter into that fray. As believers, we enter into that fray. And it's messy and it's hard. But why do we enter into the fray? Because it is God's heart. Hear me out. I'm not saying we don't preach the gospel. Everybody hear me? I am not saying that one bit. Because without the gospel, there is no peace. But we, we enter into that fray, and then we get to the great community. We get to Acts 2, we get to Acts 4. Then, then we get to the one another's. Where we love one another, care for one another, submit to one another, respect one another, bear with one another. I don't like that one. Anybody else? I want you to put up with me, but I don't know if I want to put up with you. Bear one another's burdens. And again, this is a complex issue, is it not? It is. It's a complex issue of personal responsibility and systemic issues that are just wrapped in. It's just hard. But what I love about Christ is Christ came to this hard place, right? He gave up what he had in heaven. He came here. He entered into the mess to give us life and to give us life abundantly. He entered into the mess to show us what God's heart is and who God is. And then we finally get to unity, the top, right? They'll know we're a one, John 17, right? And we define unity as when, when, uh, when we enjoy the benefits of God and one another. Hmm. All that's great about God, we sang about it. His goodness is poured into us, right? Hmm. But all that God has made great in me needs to be poured into Marcus, Needs to be poured into Teresa. Needs to be poured into to, to one another. And so then, you know, then we enter into that fray, though it's hard, because I believe we do it because it's God's heart. And if we don't enter into the fray, the gospel will never be there. Then we're left to social justice. And there is no peace. There is no justice. There is no mercy in that. Because God ultimately embodies that through Christ as we share the gospel and share our lives and enter into hard things together. Well, thanks for walking us through that. Uh, but as you kind of said, the top and the bottom seem pretty easy to understand, but it's that messy middle. Mm -hmm. If I'm trying to be a faithful Christian and faithfully walk with Jesus uh, as an individual, um, what should this look like? How do I practice those things that are kind of there in the middle? How... Help us with that, to think about that. Moving to how we should yeah. act, not just how yeah. we should think. So I'd encourage, one of the things that Wendy and I have learned over 30 years of being in an entire different community that has a different viewpoint on things, doesn't mean the viewpoint's wrong, is the idea of, I come in as a learner. And so there's some things that I encourage you to do. One is... Why don't you read Let Justice Roll by John Perkins? That is his uh, autobiography. Hmm. John Perkins has been a voice for gospel and reconciliation. Um, beat up by the Ku Klux Klan. His brother was killed by the, the police in Mississippi. He didn't get bitter. He got better. And he's been a voice for the gospel and justice and peace ever since. Um, Look at a book called Generous Justice. It's not in your thing, but it's by Timothy Keller that really helps you, helps us unpack what is this justice heart of God 
And how, and how is it reflected in my faith? Because this is who God is. Thus, if I, if I then show who God is, um, when helping hurts is a good book to look at. Um, some hard books to read would be divided by faith. Um, if you want a real hard book to read that's going to make you mad, look at disunity in Christ. Um, because it, it, it grieves me that the most segregated hour in all of America is still 11 o'clock on Sunday morning. And the church needs to be at the forefront of being together. Why? Because we, we live at peace with one another. We love one another. So, and, go ahead. So you're kind of saying that one of the first steps of things we can do is to learn. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and really, the idea of blind spots, right? We all know that blind spots are dangerous when you're driving. And so I think that is probably a, a really helpful thing for us to do is learn. And uh, I think the minor prophets, for example, really, really warn people about letting justice be a blind spot. And we might think, no, it's not my problem. Um, but just make sure, right, yeah. that, that you're doing all God's called you to do. So learning. Um, yeah. What else? So read. you got to know it. Next, I say to relate. Do you have friendships with people of color? Do, do, do you have friendships with people that, that are in a different social economic class than, than you are? So, so we got, we got to start broadening our, 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 our relationships. Because just because I haven't experienced it doesn't mean it's not true. And again, I've learned so much with that. So much as I've been walking with, with my brothers and sisters of Christ in, in our neighborhood about our staff being pulled over. Constantly. Of one day in our in our uh, center, this was a little bit after Katrina. We were bumping, we were playing Christian rap music. We got kids playing basketball and doing things. The the the, the police came because the music was loud. Now I remind you, at that time, our first center was right next to the police station. We shared a fence, and the police came in, said, "Who's in charge?" Some kid said, "Dingo." He was back at the sound booth. They pointed to him. The police said something, the music's too loud, Dingo didn't hear it, and all at once he starts laughing at some kid, the police think he's laughing at him, and they took Dingo, African-American young man, in handcuffs out of the church in front of all those kids. Didn't ask him what's going on. So I think it's, when I start hearing and talking to people, it helps me see and understand what's going on. And I can read it, and I can kind of know it, but I own it by broadening my relationships. Um, and then finally, I'd, I'd say, you know, then, then we react. You know, racism is an abomination against God. It does not. It's contrary to the, to the Gospels. So then changing it means standing up when 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 people say things that are just totally against the heart of God. And sometimes that means saying things to friends, family. Um, and the other thing I'd add is, is I know there's struggle between protest and riots, right? We don't, I'm not going to get you fired on that one, Pastor. But I want to encourage us to spend just as much time understanding the why and not just the how. Not just how people, their frustrations are boiling over, but let's start understanding the why. What's going on? I'm not, I'm not saying that looting is right and correct. I, I don't know. I don't agree with that at all. 
And I'm not standing up for that. But I think Satan does the okie doke on us. He kind of does the bait and switch on us. Because when we raise our kids, our kids will do something wrong and they'll do that. But what do we want to do? We want to find out not just the how, why. And so I think that's, as we look at this, let's spend as much, as much time, even more time on why, what's really going on, and not just the how it's being expressed. So read, relate, and then react appropriately. Okay. Well, um, John, thanks for walking us through that. I know yeah. we could talk for hours and, and there's so much more to discuss, but I uh, want to say thank you for your time and just helping us see how you process it and encouraging us to process these things biblically. Uh, it's important for us to look at all of life, not just these events, but through the mm-hmm. lens of Scripture. And uh, as a church, we praise, place a priority on that, and I know you do as well as uh, in your ministry at Urban Impact. Is it all right if I pray for you yeah. before you One go? last thing. Yeah. If I've said something that's offended you, my email is johng at urbanimpact.org. If you want to have deeper discussions on this, if you're saying, dude, you're all wet, please, 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 johng at urbanimpact.org. And when you're comfortable, come across the bridge, bring your mask, because we're a little bit behind you when it comes to to that. And I'd just love to have conversations with you. And you can help me. And we can help one another really understand God's heart and how that's lived out. So thank you. Let me pray for you. Um, Heavenly Father, we thank you for John and Wendy and the long partnership we've had with them as a church. God, in these days, we pray that you would help them to walk faithfully, walk justly, uh, Lord, to demonstrate mercy and, and walk humbly with their God. And Lord, I pray that. We at Trinity Church would do the same thing. Lord, help us to partner together uh, in New Orleans to, to bring about the gospel light, Father, uh, to, uh, to bring people to you for all eternity. Lord, I pray your blessing on John and Wendy and on the ministry and every single person who serves in that ministry. Keep them safe. Um, and, uh, Lord, just let your gospel love overflow uh, through them. It's in the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let's give John a, a thanks for, for joining us this morning. All right. Well, we are almost out of time, so we're not going to have another whole sermon, okay? Let me just set your minds at ease. Uh, I do want us to mention a few things from Hosea, though, and just give you a little bit of a taste of what's to come next week. We're actually going to be talking about Hosea a little more in depth next week, um, but this morning I just want to whet your appetite a little bit. So the minor prophets um, are a section of Scripture, like I said, that is not incredibly well known. And if you're not even sure where they are, Don't be ashamed to use your table of contents, uh, or if you're on your phone, just look it up on your phone. If you open your Bible to the middle, usually you'll land right in Psalms, and then you want to turn right and keep going until you get past Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, and then there you will find the minor prophets, okay? So that's where they are. Um, I want to talk about what we're going to do each week. Uh, Each week, we're going to look at a different prophet. So for the next 12 weeks, we're going to look at a different prophet each week, and as you know, some of these books are, uh, there's 13, 14 chapters, so you can't preach 14 chapters in a week. So we will focus in on different themes in each book uh, and select a passage for each book, and as we preach through it, that's kind of the plan. We'll look at some of these themes. Some of the themes we're going to talk about, um, one John mentioned today is, is justice and God's justice, and therefore justice between humans. Uh, that's a major theme. Uh, Hosea happens to be a book that talks about the unfailing, loyal love of God. 
His love will never let you down. And that is a theme that's pounded home throughout all these prophets. We don't want to miss that. Um, false and empty worship. God, God uh, really confronts his people and says a lot about proper worship. So we have a lot to learn in that. Talks about the day of the Lord, the day of the Lord, uh, which is going to be a day of judgment. And also he talks in every single book. There is some mention of future restoration and that God is going to take care of his people in the future. And so looking forward to all those themes as we hit it from week to week. Um, as we look at the book of Hosea, first of all, we see Hosea as a prophet. So again, just what is a prophet? A prophet, the, the, the Hebrew word for prophet literally means messenger. Okay, so God sends messengers to his people. He says, I have a message that my people need to hear. And so Hosea is one of those. Um, uh, he's the, the first of the 12 minor prophets. Now, uh, you've heard maybe people say these are called minor prophets, but it's not because they're less important than the major prophets, okay? They are minor prophets with a major message. Uh, and they're called minor prophets just because they're shorter. Uh, the book of Isaiah has 66 chapters. Obadiah has one chapter, okay? It's one of the shortest books in the Old Testament. And so minor prophets, but major message. And the other thing I'll just say about this is a lot of times when we think about prophets, we think about prophecy. Maybe the, the prophets are going to predict the future. Well, that's a part of biblical prophecy, foretelling the future. But in the minor prophets, what we see far more often is what we would call forthtelling. Not foretelling, but forthtelling. In other words, telling the truth, proclaiming the truth uh, that God wants them to speak forth to God's people. And so they have a message for God's people, you know, let's say 2,500 years ago. But they have a message for us today in 2020. So we want to hear that message uh, from week to week. Uh, real briefly, three things that Hosea, we're going to see this next week. Hosea gives us a stunning proposal. And you're going to see what that looks like. You know, uh, when I propose to Sarah, or if you want to tell me the story, if you're married and you have a story of the proposal, usually it's all about, well, this is how it happened. It was so amazing. And, you know, look at how beautiful the ring is, all these things. The proposal that we get from Hosea or through Hosea is stunning in a whole different way. Um, God basically tells Hosea, I want you to go out and marry a wife who's going to be unfaithful to you. I want you to take her as your wife. And Hosea is like, come again, you're, you're, you're proposing what? And yet that's what God tells him to do. We're going to dig into that story next week and it just reveals God's love uh, for his people. What also Hosea gives us is a powerful introduction. Uh, in, in the Hebrew Bible, they call the minor prophets the book of the 12. Okay, And he's the first one of the book of the 12. And so it's a powerful introduction. This whole stunning proposal, this crazy idea that God gives to Hosea is an incredible introduction to this whole section. Because what we find, the book of the 12 really has one theme. And that is that God is a God who keeps promises. He keeps his promises. And we see that really powerfully demonstrated in Hosea. And then the last thing is we get a foundational truth from Hosea. Um, it says this, uh, the love, grace, and mercy of God are never failing. They're unending and they never fail. Um, and so we see that that's really a scriptural theme. Uh, it's really throughout all of scripture, Old and New Testament, that God's love never fails. And then we see Hosea drive it home. We're going to talk about that in detail next week. I want to close by showing you two verses from Hosea. One thing you're going to love about the minor prophets. I can't wait to introduce you to some of them or reintroduce you if you've already read them. The language that they use is incredibly beautiful. They paint word pictures. God inspired them to do this. 
so that we could understand complex truths. And so Hosea says to the people, let me give you an invitation. God's inviting you to something. So Hosea 10, 12 says this. It's a, it's a farming picture. It says, sow for yourselves righteousness. Reap steadfast love. Break up your fallow ground, for it is the time to seek the Lord, that he may come and rain righteousness upon you. It's this idea that God says, if you plant the right seeds, uh, the seeds of faith, God will give you this harvest of steadfast love. He will love you forever. Um, he says, break up the fallow ground. You may have ground that's not being tilled right now. God says, break that up and let the Lord rain righteousness upon you and transform you through the gospel, through his son. Another verse, uh, the next verse, this is a theme of the prophets. Really, they talk a lot about how the people have failed. We're going to hear that a lot. And it's a reminder for us to examine our lives. But he says this, instead of, of planting righteousness, you have plowed iniquity. And therefore, you have reaped injustice. You have eaten the fruit of lies because you trusted in your own way and in the multitude of your warriors. And therefore, God says, I'm going to bring judgment upon you. So Hosea 10, 13, and one more. So you, by the help of your God, return, hold fast to love and justice and wait continually for your God. That word return is one that comes up over and over and over in the minor prophets. So you know what? No matter what you've done or where you've gone or what you're struggling with right now, God gives us a stunning proposal. He says, I want you to return to me. You can always come to me and you are welcome to trust me and walk with me. And just the last thing I'll say here is the takeaway from Hosea. We're going to see this next week is now is the time to seek the Lord because God's love is eternal and he wants us to embrace it forever. We heard John share a lot about what it looks like to walk in the way of the Lord, to seek him, especially in this area of of justice. We're going to look over the next couple weeks about what it looks like to seek the Lord in every single area of life. And so I'm really looking forward to that. Next week, uh, like I said, the book of Hosea gives us just a stunning proposal from God. Uh, Hosea had to give in to this stunning proposal, but then he realized that it's a revelation of a deeper truth. This unending, unfailing love of God, this redeeming love that God wants to show to you and show to me. So I look forward to uncovering that with you in the days ahead. Uh, again, thanks to John, and uh, I'm going to close us with prayer, and then we'll be dismissed for today. So will you bow with me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Son and for the gospel, the good news that we receive through him. Father, I pray that the gospel would transform us, that you would use us to transform this world, uh, to bring more people to know you for all eternity. And God, I pray you would show us how to feel, how to think, and how to act about the things that we see in Scripture and how to think about the things that we uh, see in the world around us today. God, help us to faithfully follow you, and I pray your blessing on this church and this church family as we go from here. In your name we pray. Amen. You are dismissed, and we'll see you next week.